It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're coming to you, well, from Cincinnati for once, for me, as we get started here on a Wednesday night for a Thursday night game. The final injury report is out, James, and that's where we're going to start before we get into some Interesting notes to talk about for the Jags game. We'll get there in the second segment. We cross over with Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jags. In the third segment, that's just James and Tony bringing you all the insight from the Jacksonville Jaguars and the train wreck that is Urban Meyer's early tenure in the NFL. But we're going to get started with the injury report because suddenly Jesse Bates, who finished the game, didn't even miss a play, I don't think, against the Steelers that I recall mispractice this week with a neck injury that he clearly sustained on a tackle that you could see he was slow to get up from and he's not going to play after not practicing all week t higgins supposedly got another evaluation done on tuesday according to a report he didn't practice this week he's also been declared out and cheeto wuzier is doubtful and so you would expect that he won't play as he's trying to deal with a groin injury. They get Trey Wayne's back. He had no injury designation whatsoever, so that means he's going to play. So you lose one corner, you lose a safety, you gain a corner. And I guess that's the trade-off that the Bengals will make for week four. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting too, Riley Reef, good to go. He, he's mm-hmm. all set. He's going to start. And it felt that way because he returned. But – I don't really know because T Higgins returned now two weeks ago in Chicago and now he's missing his second straight game. Bates is out. And and this stinks on a short week to, to have these deficiencies because one, you just have less time to figure out exactly what you're going to do. And you have less time to heal. Maybe Higgins would be able to go if it was a Sunday game. Maybe Cheeto might have a shot to go. And really today would have been the first day of practice all week Wednesday would have been, and now they have to make decisions on these guys. Uh, and, and so there's so many veterans that usually don't practice on Wednesday after, if, after they get nicked up practice Thursday, and they still have three days um, to get ready for a Sunday game. So that's the the downside of Thursday night football, but of all of them, Jake, the fact that you still have Riley reef, we're not going to be talking about Isaiah Prince barring something unforeseen or, you know, reef getting dinged up again at right tackle. I think that's huge. And, and can they find a way to 
to cover up or hide the the hole at safety for a week? That's the question. I think you'll see Sean Davis elevated from the practice squad again, and then you're probably going to see some Brandon Wilson at safety. And balancing that out is going to be something that uh, Lou Anarumo and the Bengals defense has to do. Yeah, I wonder. I guess this would be Sean Davis's last elevation, or maybe he has one more. You only get three, right? This was this would be his third as well. Yep. Yeah, so I think this would be their last chance to upgrade him from the practice squad to the active roster. So if they need him after this week, they'll have to find a roster spot for him. So you hope that nothing with Jesse Bates is that serious. But that's kind of the thing is on a short week where, like you point out, James, this would have been their first day of practice if it was a regular week. Like maybe some of these guys would be okay if they had the extra, what, four days to, to get ready for the game on Sunday or three days. And since it is a short week, and since they did have these injuries recently, with a mini bye week coming up after Thursday night, it makes a lot of sense not to rush these guys back. And that's one of the reasons that I'm not expecting Cheeto Bayabuzia to play, just because if you have a long week after a short week, you, you just try to get by right? You, you try to get by with your defense. You try to get by with a healthy offense. You mentioned Riley Reef, not on, on the injury report. And, and that's a big deal because they, they really, I think, need these offensive linemen to continue to play together, to continue to gel together, to continue trying to take steps in the right direction. And you saw how Joe Burrow looked when he had decent protection against Pittsburgh. When they kept him clean, he played a fantastic game. You know, interception aside on the tipped pass, he played really well, and so if they can do that again against a Jacksonville Jaguars team that doesn't present much of a threat from a pass rush perspective, Roy Robertson Harris not even playing for them this week, um, you know that that could be good news for this offense. And and then you just take the pressure off your defense, which, by the way, is is still relatively healthy outside of the secondary, where certainly they're dinged up. But the strength of this defense has been the interior defensive line, and those guys remain healthy. Yeah, that's a really good point because to me, the two keys there. One, Joe Burrow looked as mobile as we've seen him post-injury on yes. Sunday against the Steelers. Assuming he's that, maybe it's time to take those shackles off his shoulders and let him go, right? And and, and let him, you know, unleash, let him cook, as they say of Russell Wilson. Maybe you let Joe cook a little bit against the defense in, in Jacksonville that you're right, has been susceptible to downfield stuff, big plays. And it's not like there aren't plenty of you that love Auden Tate. Well, maybe this is an Auden Tate game with Mike Thomas right there as well. And you got Tyler Boyd in the slot and, and Jamar Chase, the way he's playing. So there's still plenty of weapons. And something we talked about at Knockback Nats on uh, Tuesday night, Jake, is this a tight end week? Like, could CJ Uzama maybe get a, you know, more than one ball? I mean, I, I think you could. I think you could see the tight ends get in the mix a little bit too. Um, but yeah, can Joe Burrow and these Bengals get off to not only a hot start on offense, but really push the ball down the field and push the envelope? Because if that's the case and, and the Jaguars are trailing early, then that defensive line is going to be able to, to really tee off and, and force the Jags to pass it because they run the ball really well. Two running backs averaging over five yards a carry. But if you can force Trevor Lawrence to, to force the ball downfield, maybe you can still uh, create a couple turnovers and put them in bad situations. Yeah, and we can talk about some of the keys to the game and, and some of the things we're expecting out of the matchup. I guess we'll get to that next. Let's let's quickly talk about my first 24, I'm not even 24 hours yet in Cincinnati. I, I got in last night at 8.30 p.m. We're recording this now at 4 p.m. And 
James was gracious enough to pick me up from the airport. We went straight to Knockback Nats, had some smoked wings, met up with Mo Egger today for lunch at Skyline. I went for a, a walk to Holtman's Donuts this afternoon with Commissioner Yaz, got some donuts, and, you know, we're, Damn, we're having a good donuts? time. Y'all got, got donuts extra. without me? I got oh. extra. You want one? I'll bring oh. one tonight. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're, we're hours away. As we record this from our, I'm about to tweet. Look, I'm about to tweet. If you're on YouTube, look, I'm on the Lockdown Bengals YouTube. So people get on me on YouTube once in a while for being on my phone. This is an important message. I'm about to send. <laughs> yeah, a couple hours away from our our trip down to the Flying Pig. I'm going to go meet up with Joe Goodberry for dinner and his and his family down at the banks. Excited for that, and it's been fun. It's been cool being back in Cincinnati, and you know, people see my 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 Bengal brain hat here, and they they know they know that. You know, I'm going to the Bengals game. They don't. They're like, "What's that? Why do you have a skull on your head? And why is it orange and black?" What's, so that's been it's been nice to be back in town. We also made it up to Rivertown Inquiry, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about Rivertown Inquiry here before we get to our keys to the game and some of these matchups for guys that aren't injured that matter. So we've talked about Rivertown Inquiry, of course. You've you've heard us talk about it. They've been sponsoring the podcast. They have great shirts. Was in the store today. They have a, a great selection of Cincinnati themed gear and. I was really tempted to get multiple shirts because I actually don't have much Cincinnati gear. And if you're one of those people that has pride in your city, then you should just go check it out because they're going to have a shirt that you love. They're all great shirts They're You can tell they're made with passion. The guy really cares about what he's doing. And we had a good time meeting Doug today and they're open four days, five, six days a week. Wow. Really butcher that one. Six days a week from Tuesday to Sunday, 10 to six on the weekdays, 10 to five on Saturday, 11 to or on Sunday, you can get a cool shirt like the one that I'm wearing here. You've seen James Rapine wear it too. And you might see a new shirt that might have a lock on it sometime oh, in the soon. near future if you go check them out at Rivertown Inquiry. So if you shop online, rivertowninquiry.com, you've got a promo code locked on 10. You'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you use that promo code if you order online. Or if you go in and check out the shop, 3096 Madison Road in Oakley. Let them know we sent you and tell Doug hello for us. And really love the store. Really hope you guys get out there and check it out. You should absolutely check it out. You should also take that smartphone of yours right now, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an Android, and go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download Get Upside. It is the app. Everyone that buys gas, that fills up their tank, that you need to know about because you're going to save up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. And right now with promo code TOUCHDOWN, you're going to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's up to 50 cents per gallon that you're going to save with get upside. There's no gimmicks. It doesn't cost to download this app. It's just free money, which you can take to Rivertown inquiry and get a little Cincinnati swag. So right now go to the app store or go to Google play and type in get upside G E T U P S I D E promo code touchdown to save money right now. You know, at Rivertown Inquiry, the other thing I didn't mention right before we get into the keys of the game, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm holding up my Bengals brain hat, which, by the way, with the green underside, fits great with the green and orange on this white t-shirt because I got the orange on the hat and the green. Anyway, it's a really good ensemble. They're, they're going to have some uh, Bengals brain hats in stock if you go by the store that uh, Joe Goodberry is delivering. So you can check that out as well at... Uh, at their shop. So James keys of the game. Let's, let's get into this, right? We, we started to allude to it. 
Trevor Lawrence, rookie quarterback, right? The Bengals mm-hmm. historically, and some people have pointed this out in our comments, have had issues with rookie quarterbacks in the past. You know the one that stands out to me? Not to get too anecdotal, and we'll, we'll get back into this game, but Joe Flacco. Oh, okay. Joe Flacco was this rookie out of Delaware. And I'm like, man, there's no way that the Bengals are going to lose to some quarterback out of Delaware. Who even is this guy? And then they lost that game. And I think Joe Flacco had a pretty good game. Um, <laughs> we all know who Trevor Lawrence is. He, he obviously has a ton of talent. He's had issues trying to force the ball downfield, trying to do too much, trying to play a little bit of hero ball. And without Jesse Bates back there to punish those mistakes, uh, you know, that that's something certainly that will bear watching. But the Jaguars offensive line hasn't been great. And mm-hmm. honestly, you mentioned uh, these teams that are running the ball. You mentioned, sorry, that Jacksonville has been running the ball well. I mean, the Bengals have played some of the better rushing teams in the NFL. Pittsburgh, not mm-hmm. one of them, because their offensive line is awful, and they use their first-round pick on a running back instead of an offensive lineman. But uh, the the first two teams that the Bengals played this year, the Vikings and the Bears, have been running the ball pretty well, or had been, you know, going into those games. And the Bengals interior defensive line and linebackers have played and and edge guys you know give the edge guys credit to sam hubbard and trey hendrickson have all played really well against the run this year i would be surprised if jacksonville's really able to get the run game going i mean there's probably some room for some running there but Mm -hmm. this is the strength of the bengals defense so if you make trevor lawrence beat you and you make him be patient this is what he struggled with in the nfl is finding the checkdowns and not forcing the ball downfield and he's getting those passes intercepted by trying to yeah. do too much. And he does have good downfield weapons in Marvin Jones and DJ Chark, but uh, you know, he's a rookie and the game's still going a little bit quick for him. And on a Thursday night, if you can confuse him a little bit, which the Bengals have done successfully to Ben Roethlisberger and Justin Field so far this year, there should be opportunities for takeaways in the secondary. Yeah. He's got nine turnovers and you know, this is, this is one of those games where you think, Oh, Bates might get two or three if he's out there. Right. And have a huge day. And so without him, not Wilson, baby. But, yeah, for sure, right? Leading the league, you know, just continues to extend that lead with interceptions. But I think the the thing that they've done a lot, and I, I saw a stat, it was probably PFF. It sounds like a PFF stat. Like Marvin Jones has been great on play action. Mm. And so I, I think that's part of it. If you can take away the run and you put them in these situations that they probably don't want to be in. I know Joe Burrow's advice to Trevor Lawrence or to Urban Meyer with Trevor Lawrence was try to be as balanced as you can with the rush. And I think they had 34 pass attempts, 29 runs last week against Arizona. So they were close to balanced. And and, and I think really for the first time this year. So you would expect the Jags to try to be that way. So two things, the the two things that scare me, I I agree with you. Like it would be great if you forced Trevor to to dump it off, but with Bates out in a woozy, I'll just go ahead and rule him out. I'd be shocked if he played, uh, which stinks. Uh, But I just think it's the the reality that the Bengals are looking at. Lawrence, I think, is going to have some downfield opportunities and they're going to be able to push the ball down the field. And so that's why it's extremely important, especially early, to hit him and get to him and make him uncomfortable and make him feel you. He's athletic. And and that's another part of it. You want to talk about Burroughs mobility in the pocket and moving and making guys miss. Lawrence can do that. He's got all the physical tools. and, And so that's that's the part of it. But if you hit him, then maybe he does get rushed a little bit or the throws a little off or he does misread something. And and so that, to me, from a defensive standpoint, is the key. Don't let James Robinson go off early and then get the Lawrence. And then on the flip side, offensively, I just – I think it is – I think it's time to unleash Burrow. I don't know how you feel about it. 
The, the Jags defense has been pretty good against the run so far this year. It's a three-game sample size. I'm not saying they won't be able to run the ball with Joe Mixon. I saw him shred the Jaguars last year at Paul Brown Stadium. At the same time, I think that this is the other Joe. I think this is a Joe Burrow game where he uh, throws up a bunch of passes and, and, and is dominant and, and shows Urban Meyer that, uh, well, he should have been starting for Ohio State all those years ago. Yeah, that'll be a fun that'll be a fun storyline to watch, right? I mean, he's never going to admit to it, but we'll we'll see. You know, it's we'll, we'll see if it's there's there. anything, if there's any looks to the Jaguar sideline. You know, probably not. Probably won't be anything. Joe, Joe's no, pretty good about controlling that. Yeah, I don't think he's Baker Mayfield that way. Yeah, I don't think he's Baker Mayfield where he's going to throw the oh. ball to him or anything. But well, no, I mean a look. Yeah, I but I, but I think he does want to stick it to him. The same way Tom Brady wants to stick it to Bill Belichick a little bit. Yeah. There's still respect there. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I mean. Right. Like, yeah. do, do you see any, any little, any little something, but, but again, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. The thing is the Bengals on offense in this game should be able to do whatever they want. I don't care what Jacksonville has done against the run. Like Arizona isn't a team that runs the ball particularly well. They played the Texans who are just were before Jacksonville became apparently the worst or the second worst team in the league thought to be the worst or second worst team in the league. And Tyrod played a tie God game and he was really good in that game, but it's not like they've played teams that are, offensive juggernauts and and should be running the ball super well who who they play in week two do you recall um off the top of my head no but i I can pull it up i I was just looking at it too i'll pull it up i i just feel like yes joe burrow should be able to have a nice game they shouldn't have anybody who can really handle jamar chase one-on-one jamar chase by the way the number one graded pff wide receiver in one-on-one matchups the broncos the Broncos. So the Broncos can actually run the ball okay, and I think Melvin Gordon actually ripped off a 70-yard run, or maybe that was in week one. I could be wrong on that. But um, point point is, I feel like the Bengals should be able to do whatever they want on offense in this game. They should be able to run the ball on early, you know, first down. They should be able to pass the ball on second down. They should be able to do play action if they want to do it. They should get deep shots. They should be able to win Jamar Chase, gets one-on-one coverage, hit him downfield because, like I said, He's really good in those one-on-ones, and I don't think Jacksonville has anyone that can cover him in those one-on-ones. And they should be able to exploit the middle of the field with with Tyler Boyd if they want to. And and yeah, there's a really good question: Is this a game where they start to use their tight ends? Right? I think the tight ends for this team have like a cumulative two targets between them. And I'm obviously being a little uh, hyperbolic there, but they're not using their tight ends. And is this a week for that? Joe Burrow did praise Miles Jack, who is maybe the only player you know on this Jacksonville defense if you if you don't Josh look up Allen. their roster. Sure. Uh sure, Josh Allen. Could, Caleb could Von Chaser. Uh does not concern me. Like if Riley Reef was out, I would be like fine. Deal with Caleb Von Chase on, you'll be fine. Um point is, I've said it a few times. They should be able to oppose impose their will mm-hmm. on the Jacksonville defense and if they go out there and score 27 points, 30 points, 34 points, you know, put on a show Thursday night, home crowd. Let's go. I'm going to be there. I want to show, you know, they, they should win the game and they should put up 30. I'll go ahead without T. I still think like that's the expectation. I get, they haven't done it. There's certain reasons why, you know, you're not going to necessarily do it in Pittsburgh and you're going to play it the way they did. Well, Joe seems to be back. They have the best rookie receiver by far so far. And I think he'll probably see some doubles, which means guess what? TB all day, Joe Mixon out of the backfield, the tight ends, maybe on Tate Skies over at Jaguars defensive back for a huge TD. 
look, I, I, I think you're right. No matter what the Jags do, this offense should go boom and through the roof on Thursday night and, and make it known. Like, because look, you know, the Bengals moved up in power rankings this week and, you know, it was a big win. You know how many people still question them? Everyone. I still have my questions about them. So guess what you do? You go out there against a bad team and you kick their ass and you beat them 31 to 10 or 31 to 15 or 31 to even 21. But yeah. you just put up a bunch of points. And then if you're Zach Taylor, you're like, look, we're moving in the right direction. We'll get healthy and we'll see Green Bay next week. That's that's what a, a even a, a nine and eight type team, that's what they would do in this situation. So we'll see if the Bengals can do it. And it's not like they've never done it against bad defenses. They did find ways to put up points in masses against some bad defenses last year. And this is not a very good football team. So this is one of those games. If if their mind is in it, if they have a good plan, if they've been able to get it right on a short week and the short week is a factor, Thursday night football has a lot of randomness to it. This is a game they should win. And it, that that's why we talked about it as a trap game, right? Because Jacksonville has been a disaster so far this year and yeah, maybe the Bengals aren't very good, and that's what a lot of you argued when you were upset that we talked about it as a trap game. You said they haven't earned the ability to even have trap games yet. I think this is a definition of a potential trap game if the Bengals don't come out prepared. So let's uh, let's hear from Tony. You're a locked-on NFL co-host. You guys got to talk about your teams a little bit, and he's going to join us coming up next. Yeah, we'll do that in, in, in just a second, but – I got to give my quick prediction. 31-21. We'll see if I we'll see if I can get it right this week. I got the Bengals 31-21 with the secondary. I, I think the Jags score some points, but overall, it's time for Burrow to cook. And uh yeah, 31-21 in front of Jake Lisco. And Jake's right. He said it. I, I picked him up from the airport on Tuesday. And part of the reason why Jake was breathing just amazingly clean, fresh air in my 2014 Toyota Corolla six-speed manual is because of rockauto.com. And we talk about rockauto.com all the time here. Look, the cabin air filter, the engine air filter, those things could cost hundreds of dollars to replace at your car dealership or your local shop that you go to. Or you could do it on your own in about two minutes and save a bunch of money by getting your parts from rockauto.com. They're a family-owned company. They've been in the business for more than two decades. And maybe you want to do something a little more serious to your car and not just do you know, oil or filters like that. And you want to change a fuel pump or something more in-depth. They have all the parts you're looking for in one spot. So don't leave your house to find the best parts. Save money, save time with rockauto.com. Go there now and make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. James's car was nice. It was a nice ride in from the airport with my terrible photograph of the cut in the hill skyline <laughs> of the Cincinnati, the lovely city of Cincinnati. This show is also brought to you today by BetOnline.ag, which has a lovely updated site and interface that makes it easier to use than ever before and brings you more odds, props, and contests than they've ever had before. BetOnline.ag continues to be your number one choice for everything football, whether it's college or pro, prop or parlay, BetOnline.ag will have you covered. Go to the website right now. And when you sign up today, if you're a first-time user, use promo code NFL100. You're going to get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They are going to double your initial deposit. Go over to BetOnline right now. Like I said, BetOnline.ag, promo code NFL100. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. 
Let's keep things rolling on a crossover Thursday, a Thursday night edition as the Cincinnati Bengals host the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's Tony Wiggins. I'm James Erpine. And and let's focus on the Jags, Tony, because to me, I I look at it and Trevor Lawrence, I think he's a really, really good quarterback already. And I'm sure he's making some rookie mistakes, but DJ Chark put on a show for Bengals fans last year at Paul Brown Stadium. And I know what he's capable of because, well, I play fantasy football. So a lot of our (laughs) listeners probably do too. And, And then you got Marvin Jones, who Bengals fans certainly know about. And I think he's still balling. James Robinson, Fantasy football-wise, he got going last week, by the way. So my fantasy team thanks the Jags for that. To me, this offense should be pretty good. How have they been so far this season, and why do I I feel like they've struggled more than they've had success? Um, Identity and and trying to figure it out. I I do think with Urban Meyer coming into the NFL, um, you know, you could go around NFL training camps every year, and there's a schedule. You go to Bengals, I go to Jaguars. But then when you see other guys that talk about it, that cover the team for a living, they talk about the schedule, like where everyone is and what everyone's doing. There's a lot of time spent this this summer on uh, competition days and quarterback competitions. And I think it was Urban Meyer taking the approach where he's going to get to know every single player on the roster. Loves players, loves players. Comes from college where they got about 100 of them running, running around, right? In the NFL, you can't do that. When you're the guy who uh, sets the table to navigate the ship, you're responsible for personnel. You make picks. You make players. It's not subjective anymore. Because trying to be subjective when you have those roles is also like having plausible deniability, right? When you choose a guy, number one, that's your guy. He's not in a competition. The only competition is you're going to say, okay, well, let me see if he's ready to go. And if he's not, I don't want to put him in a position to hurt himself. But the guy you were going to have playing in front of him and guarding him into, he actually started as a rookie. So it's almost as if you can't say the guy's a generational talent and he's the reason you took the job. And now you got him in a competition with a guy who you traded away who wasn't even active for the Eagles last night. That doesn't make sense. It's just pretty much a waste of time. Uh, having Tim Tebow come in here because he was the greatest competitor you ever knew, but you're a stickler for guys who buy in and you're a stickler for guys who put the work in, but you go get a guy to try to make him play tight end who hasn't played football for eight years. And he never played that position before. All of these things to me are oxymoronic in in, in nature. You, you, You just can't do that. There is no quarterback competition when you draft a guy number one overall. You know, and, and I think it was just a lot of wasted time. And I think he's been out coached. He's been out coached mm-hmm. because the team has been out prepared and they don't have an identity. And, and you see it now. You see it getting progressively better. But as he gets better, so is everybody else. And mm-hmm. he's always going to be a step behind. And I think it's because of the approach he took in training camp. Yeah. To me, that's crazy to think about, because yeah. if you just put, you know, Zach Taylor and Urban Meyer on paper. I'm taking Urban Meyer 10 times out of 10 from a football coach standpoint, experience wise, how many rings he's got success he's got. And again, I look at that offense and I'm like, man, they should be pretty good. They, they should. So where's the hope right now in Jacksonville then? Because they're 0 three. You just said it. Urban's behind. He was adjusting to life in the NFL, which again, some of this stuff, a simple call or two to some head coaches that I knew he was aware of and, and, and has relationships with in the league. 
probably could have solved that. So what's next for this team in, in finding that identity and trying to establish itself as it moves forward? I think he realizes now that, uh, and he should have realized this before, uh, I, I, Vic Fangio says that after game two and they lost to the Broncos, that Urban came up to him after the game and shook his hand and he goes, it's like playing Alabama every week. And the funny thing is he'd only played the Texans and the Broncos. So I'm thinking like, you think that's like playing Alabama every week? Wait, do you have to line up against the Rams later on this year? Or what if you had to line up against Tampa Bay or the Chiefs or the Cowboys or something? And we'll talk about that too at some point, Jamie. But what if uh, you got to line up against Miles Garrett? Every week? You, you ask Justin Fields what he thinks about how slow the NFL is right now. So it's like, you ain't seen Alabama yet, bro. You haven't. So I, I don't know if he thought – or if he's just such used to the talent level being different that he's going to outwork, outcondition, outperformance program. It, these guys have been lifting weights too. These other teams have millions of dollars, and these other guys have doctors and, and trainers too. You're not going to outdo anybody that way in the NFL. You know how you sure. outdo anybody in the NFL? You outdraft them, you outtalent them, and you outmotivate them. That's yeah. it. It's not all of this other stuff that where you think you can be this great leader of men in the NFL, the great leaders of men find they don't lead out front. Like they find a way to step back and just sort of act like a wizard and make everybody come together. You know what I'm saying? Because you got guys mm -hmm. that are grown men and they have to be themselves. So I just think he's slowly, slowly going to learn that that's not it. You, you know, you ain't tricking nobody. You're not going to sit here and run a spread offense and, Run everybody one way. They did a play the other day, man. It is driving everyone around here crazy where they had momentum and they were running the ball. And I said, okay, it's time. Now that you got Arizona hurting, you can take a shot. Mm -hmm. They try to flea flicker from inside of their own territory. So in that situation, usually coaches will shy away from it because you're worried about the ball handling issue within your own red zone. Yeah, No problem. The pitch was perfect. The play was perfect. Buda Baker bit. DJ Chark was 10 yards behind him. The problem is J.J. Watt was right in the face of Trevor Lawrence, and he threw a pass to the outside that was picked off by Byron Murphy in return for a touchdown. Yep. Well, the reason why he didn't go deep is because the offensive lineman, if you watch the tape, did a 360 pirouette. It came out in the press conference later on because Jawan Taylor, the other offensive lineman, was asked about it, and he said, oh, no, he was supposed to do that. It's called a whirly bird, and it helped sell the fact that the opposite side, the run, went the other way. Oh, you, you did a whirly bird in front of a pro first ballot Hall of Famer who goes, yeah, whirly bird this. And he, I ain't buying it. And he was right in Trevor's chin and it was a pick six. And every they're blaming the coaching staff. They're blaming everybody. I blamed the offensive lineman at first until the other offensive lineman told me, no, that's what he was coached to do. See, that stuff doesn't work. You ain't whirly burden J.J. Watt. No, you need to <laughs> you can kill that. You know what I'm saying? This isn't, this isn't Middle Tennessee State week no, one sir. at the shoe. <laughs> no, sir. I thought the oh, kid just God. lost his way or something, and I was, you know, I'm sorry he just ain't that good until I found out that's what they told him to do. So that's the kind of stuff when you ask in a nutshell, <laughs> get rid of whirly birds and get a, that doesn't work. Just block him straight up and, and make the dude bite and throw the ball. That's it. You, right. you get too cute. Let me ask you this then. Um, because, you know, we could get into position groups and deep dive into the defense and often it's a short week. And I don't know how much 
anyone wants to, to necessarily hear that, but paint the, the scenario where Urban Meyer on a short week, they did have a 19 to 11 lead over Arizona at one point before the right. whirly bird and the, right. the complete uh, <laughs> breakdown that happened in week three. How does this Jaguars team beat a Bengals team that's at home, that has momentum? By the way, I do think, and you know, we could talk about this if you want, but I think Joe Burrow is going to be uh, a little extra motivated to go up against Urban Meyer, even though he's not going to admit it. Anyways, how do they beat the Bengals? Paint that scenario for me. I'm glad you mentioned Urban Meyer and Joe Burrow because Urban actually called Joe Burrow and asked for his advice, according to him, about, uh, about how he should proceed with Trevor. So um, how can the Jaguars beat the Bengals? The Bengals have to commit turnovers. The Bengals have to come in and do what Arizona did and underestimate the fact that what I just said, that these are NFL players on the other side of the field, guys that are hungry. The Jaguars really do a good job of stopping the run. So if you think you're just going to take, take Joe Mexican running them up, that ain't going to happen. They, they're very good in their front seven. They're solid. They're not great, but they're solid in their front seven. And then um, they tackle real well in the open field. So the Bengals are going to have to be patient. And then the Bengals, if they're going to beat Jack, if they if the Bengals get impatient and they're not able to hit big plays, you're playing right into Jacksonville. And Jacksonville really do. They can run the football. So it's going to test the Bengals' front seven. Because these guys are getting five and six yards of carry. So the stats say that they shouldn't be losing uh, these games. But, um, yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to slowly, slowly get better. And I think if the Bengals are overconfident, the Jaguars can sneak up on them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's that's the thing. That's the, the scenario for me that we've talked about this week on Locked on Bengals is handling success, right? And, and I get it. They're only two and one. But this is a young team. And – it's hard to, to me coming off of that emotional win in Pittsburgh. You're like, oh, it's the 0-3 Jags. And, and maybe that comes from Burrow saying, no, let's keep our head in it so I can stick it to the guy that wouldn't play me at Ohio State and then the guy that I beat in the national championship game a few years ago show that I'm better than him. Because I think most evaluators have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Burrow as far as a prospect is concerned. But, uh, you know, that's uh, neither here nor there. But uh, either way. We'll, uh, we'll have you covered, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Bengals. Shout out to you as, uh, you know, we're, we're so excited to be reaching all of you uh, ahead of this Thursday night matchup. We'll be back at it after the game, so who knows? Maybe we'll get a Cincinnati edition of the Woo from Jake Lisko. Stay tuned for that. Make sure you hit subscribe, and until next time, in the immortal words of Jake Lisko, who day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 